Vineyard Westside welcomes everyone. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Come as you are, because we believe that love wins, period. Amen. All right, they're going to pass those things along. And hey, um, when you came in today, I don't know if you saw them peddling t-shirts out there, but I've got one. Um, I didn't pay for it yet. They gave it to me, though. But hey, these t-shirts are a fundraiser that we're using to be able to raise money for the upcoming mission trip to Honduras. Uh, if you'd like to buy one of these snazzy shirts here, you see, you see in the back here? Huh? Yes? And here's what I'm going to tell you. Oh, thank you. Thanks. They're soft. They're nice. They're the kind of t-shirts you want. Go touch one. Go buy one. All right, hey. I can't see that. It's, it's bright today. I think we got some new lights. Nice. But I can't see any of you. So be on your best behavior. Hey, what I want to talk about today is um, the idea of being lazy for Jesus. Being lazy for Jesus. I know a lot of people in this room and a lot of people standing on this stage who can be really, really lazy when it comes to our faith. Uh, just lazy for Jesus. And so we'll get into a bit about what that means, but I want to tell you a story about a lady. Uh, I heard a story about a lady who did not have any food in her house. Um, she was fairly poor, uh, but she was, she was one of those people who was maybe poor um, in the just financial way, but she was rich in spirit, and she was a prayer warrior. And so even though she was going through uh, kind of a rough time at home, she was still praising God again and again and again for all of the things that she had in her life, all of the goodness that she could see. She was just one of those people. I want to be more like this lady. Uh, and so even though she didn't have really anything to eat at her house, she went outside and couldn't help it but to sing. Uh, she just was one of those praised people. And she said, don't worry about a thing, because every little thing is going to be all right. And she just sang. And she had this neighbor, though, that would hear her. And he was an OK neighbor. He tried to be friends with her, but she was too religious, that kind of thing. And he heard her all the time. This guy was an atheist. And so he didn't believe the same kind of things that she did. He hated a lot of her Jesus talk. Uh, and one of the things about him, for whatever reason, and I've met some of these some of these people in my life, they want to do anything they can to prove that, that God isn't real for some reason. Um, and so he decided that he was going to show her some proof. He went to the grocery store. Uh, he knew that she was struggling. He went to the grocery store and he bought her three bags of groceries and brought her these three bags of groceries, dropped them off on her doorstep, and he just waited to see her reaction the next time she came outside. And when she saw these bags, she just kind of did that happy dance all over the place. And she's singing again. She's like, he did it. God did it. He did it. I prayed it. He did it. 
He brought it. God loves me. He did it. And the neighbor runs over and is like, no, he didn't. He did not do it. I did it. I did it. It was not God that bought you that food. It was me. I bought it. Look at this. God doesn't exist. See, here's the receipt. <laughs> she just keep. God did it. God, you did it, and you made the devil pay for it. Man, I got some people in my life, though, who are that neighbor, uh, who are just trying to kind of steal any bit of holy fire that ever rises up whatsoever. That, uh, you know, sometimes I, I hate it that I'm this person for myself, that something will happen, something I will have prayed for. I'll pray that it would happen and it comes to be. And God answered a prayer and stupid me will go, well, but I don't know if it was God. I don't know if maybe that just actually worked out uh, on its own. Maybe that was just, I don't know, was that coincidence? Was that, a lot of people say coincidence is God's way of staying anonymous, that there's, that there's no such thing as them. What I want to talk about today, though, is um, the, you know, the, how many of you know, WWJD, any bracelets in here still? What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? Bracelets. There's that question, what would Jesus do, that, that came from... Uh, actually a book that was way older than you would probably think. It was in 1896. A guy named Charles Sheldon, he wrote a book called In His Steps, and it was um, just a, a really, really small devotional book about how to follow Jesus closely. And it was um, very easy to read. There's over 30 million copies of it sold since then, and basically the idea that came out of it was what would Jesus do? What would he do? in any kind of situation. Well, what would Jesus do in this situation? Today we're going to talk about what would Jesus undo? What would he undo? The thing that I think he would undo right now in 2023 is he would undo the, um, the, the attitude of, meh, meh. If this is going on a podcast, you can just spell it M-E-H. Meh. You know how many people I talk to who I'll ask, like, about things? Even in my, my own small group, I mean, we'll try to talk about what God is doing in our life. And I'm like, hey, does anybody have anything to share? Anything going on? What has God been doing lately? And sometimes the answer is just like, eh, eh. Well, okay, well, what, do you, what have you been doing lately? Like, how are you, how do you feel about your relationship with God? Or what's going on? Has he been teaching you anything? Or, mm. Man, how many of us are in that spot of just kind of spiritual, um, you know, just spiritual meh? Anybody? Anybody else? Have you guys ever, um, any of you good gift givers, like you're good at giving gifts to people? It's thoughtful, 
Like, you put work into it. You're a good gift giver. Anybody in here? Oh, jeez. Hey, sometimes, all right, sometimes in this room, you're not allowed to brag anywhere else in the world. Sometimes in this room, it's safe to, to claim your stuff. Sometimes this is the place where you get to claim your stuff. Sometimes some of you are good at stuff and you don't ever get to tell the rest of the world. But I need to tell you that that's a testimony and it's a piece of your story about what God has done in your life. And so some of us, we keep holding that stuff back and we, we're afraid of bragging. We're afraid of uh, seeming full of ourselves or something. Um, how many of you in this room are good gift givers? Yeah. Yes. And how many of you guys have experienced that thing where... You know, you put together kind of a special gift for somebody. You put a lot of thought and work into it, and they didn't really acknowledge it. Like, you were like, oh, man, this is going to change everything. <laughs> and it just didn't. And you're like, what did I, what <sighs> Now, I want you to imagine Jesus, who has given a ridiculous gift to us, he steps out of heaven. He's like, I'm going to step out of heaven. There's perfection going on everywhere, but I'm going to, I'm going to take a trip to the dump and work with these people. This is the holy God himself who steps out of heaven. He also has to endure torture during it. Uh, this God who brings a gift to us who, um, you know, if you've ever experienced the forgiveness of sins... He, he, that was part of the gift. He's promised us life to the full, that that's part of the gift. It says he's the, the living word. And we have this living word at our fingertips. We can read in the Bible and we can know what the truth is about anything we could possibly imagine. And it's right there at our fingertips. We have access, not just through reading, but now we have access to God himself through prayer. We're able to talk to him because of the work that Jesus did. We have someone who's an intermediary for us, somebody who goes in between. We try to speak to the holy, perfect, blameless God with our, you know, some of us, we talk like sailors. Us, we get to speak to God himself because Jesus puts this filter in between us to be able to speak to him. It's a gift that we're given. And not only that, he charges us with these spiritual purposes for our lives. Gives us purpose of what we're supposed to be doing, that what do I do with the rest of my life? He's got a purpose that is for you. Not only that, does he, he, he gives you the same spirit inside of you, the same spirit inside of you that raised him from the dead. He gives us that. And yet day in and day out, we go all this time without ever even really acknowledging him or him crossing our mind or what. Oh, it's Sunday. I better think a little bit about Jesus again. And it's like the man, sometimes you give a really, really, really incredible gift and people just don't, just don't acknowledge it. And so the reason I feel like this, this is, um, 
on my mind is because that's a major that's a major thing that needs to be an undo that Jesus needs to undo the spirit of meh just spiritual indifference just that indifference of you know that's the number one thing that is uh, driving the numbers of Christianity down year after year after year after year is people who they're not angry at the church they haven't gone through and thought about the church and decided, you know what, no, I don't want to pick Jesus for such and such reason. The reason why they're not a part of the church, why they're not a part of the family of God, why they're not believers, is because they just don't really care. Because they just don't really care. And a lot of us just don't really care a lot of the time. But some of us, we get to that spot where, you know, you're going to have kids, you're going to get married, you are, maybe you have grandkids, maybe some kind of thing will come along and you're like, what am I, what am I going to do? What am I going to teach these kids? What kind of things are we going to put in place? Are we going to pray at dinner time? Like, is that going to be a part of our life? Are we going to, are we going to read the Bible together? Are we going to say prayers at night before bed? Are we going to do this, this, this? Or are we just going to fall further into that? Like, eh. I know a lot of, I know a lot of, uh, I know a lot of fellow parents who are just hoping for the best. Like, who are just hoping for the best and leaving so many things up to chance. And just being, just honestly being lazy with it. That kind of shoulder shrug attitude of, and, you know, this is, it's not something new, but I do think that, you know, with our experience right now, and our, I, don't, I don't know too many people who aren't wrapped up in social media, who aren't a part of, um, you know, really just the modern world with the way that it's working. The way that it's working right now uh, is inviting spiritual laziness uh, everywhere. And, uh, and it's easier and easier to do, just to click a like button or to, you know, just, I don't, I don't have to put any of my real stuff out there. I don't have to try really hard. I wrote down on my profile that I'm a believer. Anyways, yada, yada. Um, I don't want to skip too far ahead, but um, in the book of Revelation, we're going to go all the way to the, to the end. If, you're, uh, if you want to... Look in your Bible, you go all the way to the right. It's all the way at the end, the book of Revelation in chapter 3. Um, it, it, talks about, it talks about what it means to be lukewarm, what it means to be lukewarm. Uh, but even before jumping into this, kind of where it's coming from is there, there was a place that was being discussed. It's called Laodicea. Laodicea uh, was a super wealthy city. Um, in scripture and in the part of this story the context is that 35 years earlier this city was destroyed by an earthquake the city was rebuilt and when they rebuilt it they just did it better than ever it was like they this was where everything went crazy it was like Kenwood popping up all of a sudden 
And so there were theaters and there was a stadium and there were like these lavish public baths and shopping centers. And you, you can imagine Las Vegas or Dubai, something along those lines. But the major problem that the city still had is they had an inadequate water supply. They didn't have their own water supply there. And so they had to pipe in water from a, a close by city named Colossae. That's where we get the book of Colossians. The Colossians are from Colossae. Uh, they're right nearby, but Colossae. Uh, and then another city named Hariopolis, I think. Hariopolis. Uh, these two cities carried two different kinds of water. Colossae had cold water. And so you can imagine your pipes coming into your house and you have a hot and a cold. And I don't know if you've ever gotten into the nitty gritty of how all that works and what temperature the water is coming out at and all these different things. But Colossae had cold water because it was a mountainous region. So water comes off the mountain. Cold water is able to be pumped in to Laodicea. Hariopolis has hot springs. And they're able to provide hot water to the city. And both of these water types had a purpose. Uh, there, there would be cool and refreshing water that would be, you know, would be able to drink, cool you off, all these sorts of things. And then also there would be hot water that's used for you know, bathing, medicinal purposes. It's a hot water can help to clean things. But by the time that either of these waters, so the, the entire plan was that we'll get cold water from here and hot water from here, but by the time that water got to Laodicea, it was this water that was just dirty and tepid and it was lukewarm from either place because it just didn't flow fast enough. Revelation 3, it says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. But because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. And this is one of the harsh words from God that, man, I wish you were, I wish you were this way or that way, but because you didn't pick one, man, I can't stand the taste of you, I gotta spit you out of my mouth, that you're spiritually stale. Like you're spiritually stale. You, some of us are kind of, you know, depressingly detached from, from the story, from the goal, from the whole purpose of this thing of why we're showing up to church, why we're following Jesus. Just that, that place of going, eh, eh. And Jesus says, it doesn't just break my heart, it actually turns my stomach. I, I'm going to spit you out. And so we're going to talk about a couple different causes of that spiritual indifference. Spiritual indifference is what I would say. The, um, just the, the laziness, the lack of trying, the, uh, I'll just see where it goes. Like, uh, a lot of us are imagining that our lives with God, for some reason, are like we're in a canoe, and we hop in, and somehow we're just going to go and end up in the place that we want to be. 
God lives on top of a mountain. Like, he, he's high up. And we don't just naturally float to him. It's about putting certain things into it as well. But a couple causes of that spiritual indifference. Here's the one that, that hits me a lot of the time. The first cause of being spiritually indifferent is self-sufficiency. Is where I feel like it's, I'm okay because I'm okay. How many people do I know that are like, I'm a self, knuckle tattoo, self-made. Dink, dink. Self-made. Um, well, then I guess you're just okay. I guess you're mediocre. Because if it's just up to me and it's just up to what I can make out of myself, it's just, it's just not that impressive. And a lot of us, we want to take credit for everything that we've done. And you should, you should be proud of the things that you've done, but you should also be able to recognize that you've been only able to do them because God gave you the ability to do it. Yeah, like that, yeah. Revelation 3, it says, you say, I am rich. I've acquired wealth and I do not need a thing. But you do, you do not realize that <clears throat> you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. You say, I'm rich, and you don't, you don't recognize that, yeah, but you're wretched. And we might be in that spot of saying, yeah, but I mean, really, I'm just doing good. I got, I got my coffee, I got my iPhone, I got my Amazon Prime, I got Netflix, I got Hulu, I got, I got Apple TV Plus, I got Disney Plus, I got this one. And you might be in that spot of being in maybe worldly wealth or feel like you have everything together. Um, and you might also be spiritually bankrupt. Uh, sometimes my life can start getting so full of stuff that it becomes empty of meaning. Like, so full of things that I'm, I'm worried I need to get this. I got to get the new lawnmower. I got to get this. I got to get, you know, e even just... You can get full of stuff and all of a sudden empty for meaning. And so, big cause of spiritual indifference for a lot of us is just believing that uh, we, we've done all of this ourselves. And so we don't really need him, do we? Some of us only wait until we're in major trouble. We're like, God, I'll, I'll, give, you, I'll give you a ring if, uh, if things go south. But I'm doing pretty good for right now. The second thing that is huge for becoming spiritually indifferent, just the, eh, oh, I don't really know, eh. not passionate, not full of life, not full of any of the things that Jesus promised to us. Another one of the things that, that brings that about is the distractions of this world. The distractions of this world. It says in Mark chapter 4, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things... Come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. They choke the word, making it unfruitful. 
that basically I got bills to man, I got bills to pay, I have places to be, I got people I gotta meet, I have meetings I gotta do, I have there's selfies I gotta take, there's lights I likes I have to acquire. There's dishes, there's laundry, there's kids I gotta get to practice, and other kids I gotta get to practice, and other kids I gotta get to this and this and this and birthday parties and I gotta get an oil change. When do you get an oil change? And then there's the other stuff that you're like, you see things, you're like, I have to save the unborn. I have to save the whales. I have to save the turtles from the straws. I have to save this. Like the other stuff. And before you know, I mean, with all of this stuff, all of a sudden you can, maybe you're in that spot right now where you just feel numb. Like numb to any of the stuff. Numb to any of the stuff you hear about. You'll see something on the news that is Oh, that's horrible. But really, you feel numb about it. They've said feeling numb isn't the absence of feeling. It's actually the sensation of feeling everything all at once. When you feel too many things all at once, when you feel numb, think about it. Think about it. if your foot is numb. Does it feel like nothing or does it feel like... <laughs> Completely getting attacked from every possible angle. And so a lot of us will just say, well, I'll just do a little bit of Jesus, just enough to make me feel better, not so much that I get weird. Man, we need some freaking weirdos around here. I mean that in the best way. Because if we're living with this like lukewarm indifference, if we're more concerned with impressing people than we are with impressing God, we're in trouble. Uh, Timothy in scripture he talks about lovers of self those who love themselves and Jesus says woe to all of you who speak well of yourselves that if we're obsessed with this life on earth that we have rather than kind of investing in eternity we might be off off course and then we rationalize sin and we live without... So the, the saying is, fear God. Do you fear God? It's, and it doesn't really mean to be afraid of Him. It means to, to, it means to honor Him. It means to um, recognize who He is and that that's Dad. That, that I, got, I got to do what dad says. Because otherwise I'm a bad son. Because otherwise I'm a bad daughter. I have to do what dad says. It's not that he's even going to punish me. It's that man, I'm going to let him down. And so we'll start saying those things like, well, I'm not as bad as other people. I'm, I'm not hurting anybody. It's just this, like, this, you know, I, I'm not selfish. None of us want to, man, we're freaking selfish. It's the, and it's the root of almost every one of the things that we ever have. Maybe you believe in Jesus, but you never tell anybody. Maybe you only turn to him when you need him instead of seeking him daily. Uh, you try to 
seeking what is going to benefit you the most. Lord, the Powerball has hit $1 billion. I swear, I'm going to give, it, I'm going to give a bunch of money to the church. It just gets weird when we're not that different than the rest of the world. And we're doing this whole thing and we're coming here on Sunday mornings and we're doing this and people and we go outside and people are like, oh, so how are you different than the rest of the world? We're like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> That's not good. Spiritual indifference. Jesus says it makes him want to vomit. Other translations talk more about the vomit part of it, not just spit from your mouth, that it's something that actually makes him ill. And so how the heck do we reignite some kind of spiritual fire? How do you do that? How do you... Here, here are some of the, the only things that I know, and they're things that, that I'm working on, trying to put into practice, things I need more of, things I need some of you to yell at me about. Every day, do something that requires faith. Every day, do something that requires faith. Not just, I don't know, I'll just see how I get by this day. Every day, do something that requires your faith. Stand up for something, um, e even if you think you're going to get made fun of at work or at school or whatever. Give to someone or something or some church, hello. <laughs> it, when it's a stretch, when it's a stretch. We started giving, I, I, it was so painful. And then I gave and I was like, <laughs> I thought that, oh, this is still really hard. And, it's, and it is really hard. But you trust God, it's, it's an act of faith. Apologize to somebody like that is something that requires faith for you to maybe you're one of the people I mean I can't believe how many uh, uh, of you there are around here that are never wrong <laughs> I'm like wrong constant I'm wrong about half the stuff I've talked about today <laughs> and yet I do it all the time too you're, maybe you're somebody who's never wrong and it's time for you to apologize to someone make it up Maybe you still think you're right. Shut up and say you're sorry. Forgive even when you don't feel like it. That's what we're instructed to do. We don't forgive people who deserve it. We don't forgive people who have been good boys or girls. We forgive people who don't deserve it. That you would volunteer to do something crazy like pray out loud at something. You know, one of the things that my, my whole family, uh, just the, the ones I was raised by, have never prayed out loud at any events of anything I've ever known. And just these past few years, we've started at different family gatherings at uh, Christmas, Easter, different things like that. Before dinner, we started circling up and they're like, Ryan, will you say the prayer? So we're still to the part where I have to do it, I'm, but I'm good with that. Because now all of a sudden there's a bunch of people who claim to be atheists around the circle who are holding hands together, who are praying to, I don't know, maybe Jesus. And 
Daggone it, what happened to me is he, he weaseled his way in there. Even when I didn't want him. And all of a sudden, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a different thing. And it might be you're that person who says, well, you guys want to pray? Man, it's scary sometimes to be the one that says, you guys want to pray? Hey, should we pray? It's scary. To, that's, an, that's the act of faith. Is the saying it, the making it happen. Or else everybody else is just going to be spiritually indifferent. Eh, I don't know. It would have been nice if we did, I guess. Reach out to somebody that God put on your heart. You guys ever get that where you like, I don't know why I thought about this person. So the thing that I've been doing, like I won't know why I thought about that person, but I send them a text message and I say, hey, uh, you just have been popping up on my brain today. And so uh, I just want to let you know that you're awesome at this. Ding, 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 ding. You're a good man. I'm glad you're my friend. Dot, dot, dot. And just say these things that maybe used to get you beat up. They won't. And they could end up being really, really powerful. Pray for something that's impossible. How many of us only pray for stuff that we think that, eh, maybe on a good day I could kind of, I could pull this off myself? Pray for stuff that's impossible. Lord Jesus, uh, it is impossible for us to pay this building off today. But I want to pray right now that you would move in some kind of way that only you can do and that you would bless us financially and you would let us pay this building off. In Jesus' name, amen. What else can we pray about? What else can we pray about? You know, that, that friend who has cancer, who they said it's, it's incurable. Pray about it. Let's pray about it. Because you know what else? Also, if you go to that person, you say, can I pray for you? We're all afraid that we're going to pray and a miracle is not going to happen, right? That it's not going to happen right in front of us. A lot of times the miracle just ends up being... That, that person is so, they're so appreciative and so blessed by you that you would do that for them. And you change something about them just, just with that part. What if you attempted some stuff that you couldn't do just if God didn't, didn't pull off something crazy? A lot of us are in that spot where we believe it's just, it's just kind of easier not to care a lot of times. It's easier not to get too engaged or involved because it's, it's work, we're lazy. Uh, it's better to, um, I don't know how to say this other than um, we are called to be inconvenienced for the kingdom of God. We're called to be inconvenienced for the kingdom of God. If anything is on autopilot and it's easy, it's garbage. We're called to be inconvenienced for Jesus because he was inconvenienced to the nth degree for us. And so 
why do we go to Honduras? Why do we have a trip going there? Is it, it's completely inconvenient. You have to hike ridiculous places, like you have to go, it, it is so much work. It's so much work to reach so few people. Honestly. And yet we are inconvenienced for Jesus because nobody else is going to reach him otherwise. That's it. We're called to be inconvenienced for him. If, it's not, if we're not being inconvenienced, we're probably not doing anything for the kingdom. Revelation 3 says, I correct and I discipline everyone that I love. And so be diligent and turn from your indifference. Turn from your indifference. He said, if you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. I need you to be one way or the other. I can handle it like this. We ignore each other. We don't know each other. Or I can go this way. You're on fire for me. And we burn together. And we make moves for the kingdom of God together. Help us burn together. And that's, man, and that's what I need too. I need too from you guys absolutely all the way is it is every one of us in this room is a charcoal. Every one of us in this room is a charcoal. And we cool off if everybody else is cool. But you start catching fire and you just huddle in and it stays burning hotter, longer. I want more charcoal. Revelation 3.20, it says, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come and eat with that person and they with me. That the things that you do are not going to be in vain. Like the risk that you take won't be in vain. Um, the, the whole thing today. Hey, it's 11.11, make a wish. God, I wish that this message would make sense. That we are called to be inconvenienced for Christ. We're called to be inconvenienced for Christ, to not be lazy, to not be indifferent, but to put work into it, to be inconvenienced, to be annoyed, even have conversations with people that drive you crazy. Why? Because Jesus went up, talk to them. So let's pray. God, we just ask that you would help us to be spiritually engaged, that uh, we would not be lazy in our faith, that we would want to do something every day that we have to invite you into afford to work. God, I just pray that you would start to, to make new plans for us on how we go forward, that any young families in this room, that maybe today is the first day that they pray at dinner time. Or maybe today is the first day that they, they do prayers at bedtime. That there would be new, new, <laughs> new actions. This new activity, because we know that all of a sudden it starts heating up and it builds and it builds and it builds. And we just say, come Holy Spirit. We want you to set us on fire. Just come Holy Spirit. I don't, I don't want to be lukewarm. I don't want to be cold. 
just want to be in a place where I burn for you. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for the opportunity that you, you give us. You give us you give us an opportunity for something more. So we say more, more, more. We say that in your name, Jesus. Amen. 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 God bless you guys. Hey, do something, uh, do something risky this week. God bless you. See you all soon. For more information about Vineyard Westside, please visit vineyardwestside.com.